Bristol Rovers Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gascast. I'm joined as always by Harley Thorne, but today we're joined by a special guest, friend of the pod, Nathan. Hi Nathan. Hey man, how's it going? Not bad. Away from the USA. <laughs> yeah, Nathan's been on the pod before, but those of you who, who don't know Nathan, Nathan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your situation? I'm like I'm on a dating show. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, you're not. No, you're no, not. no, I'm definitely not. It can uh, if you want to. Be. <laughs> I can be like the host and I'll see if you two get some chemistry. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously I've been on Gascast a few other times. Uh, if you haven't heard me, um, I live in Tampa, Florida. I've uh, been a Rovers fan for a really young age, uh, 20 plus something years now. Um, been watching Rovers all my life. Um, luckily, I'm able to watch all the games that I follow. So I hopefully know a little bit about what's going on. And that's about it. Yeah, well, we sort of got in touch with you because you're um, a big fan of the pod, obviously, because you live abroad and it's it's like an important thing for you to get the sort of pub chat that we have. To, can you put your phone on silent, please? <laughs> is that my phone? Oh, yeah, it was my Disgraceful. phone. Disgraceful. I'm sorry. This is why we don't get people from the <laughs> yeah, US on. Yeah, yeah. Professionals only, please. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everyone. Disgraceful. Uh, um, yeah, so anything that I can that helps being abroad, so uh, this podcast is brilliant. Um, I follow is brilliant. Obviously, the, the clubs, some of the clubs' official stuff is great as well. But yeah, the, the podcast really helps me out and lets me connect with Rovers fans, and you get you know a much more rounded view from you guys. So I really so that's the it. sales pitch. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll give you the money after. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get into this week's action. Um, since we've last been on, we've uh, we've we've had two games. So there's lots to cover, but we're sort of briefly going to go over each one because um, we've got quite a lot of content to get through. So we'll start with Shrewsbury at home, um, a game we talked about in depth quite a lot on the last episode. Harley, you were of the opinion that we were going to smash them 2-0, 3-0. thought we'd walk it. You thought we'd walk it, but in reality it was uh, it was a tough game. Tough game, uh, absolute bastard of a 90 minutes, full of fouling, swearing, bad refereeing, and in the end we only got a point out of it, so... What do you think? Was it a fair result in the end? It was a fair result, um, but it's not the result that we should have been aiming for. That's the main thing, you know, on the 90 minutes, yeah, we probably, we were lucky to get a point, I'd say, in the end. But um, at least we improved as the game went on, but I think we were set up wrong from the beginning. And that's kind of a a caricature of our entire season, that that game really, wasn't it? It's kind of just disappointing. The chance was there to really start to pull away and... We blew it. Yeah. Well, it definitely felt like, you know, after such a good away performance, uh, as we spoke about last time, um, building on that uh, building on that performance, and, and you definitely went with the same lineup. so he, he wanted to continue that, Coughlin, but, uh, you know, the first five minutes of the game, you could just tell, couldn't you, Nathan? Yeah. You could just tell it, it, it wasn't going to be our day. It was a classic, it was almost like watching the Wickham game all over again for me, but just with an even work, I mean, the ref lost control by within minutes, which didn't help. Uh, he really struggled to get a grip on the game and Shrewsbury really cottoned on to that. I think teams that come, I think teams that watch us um, for our home games, they know if they come and sit um, sit deep, frustrate us, frustrate the crowd, frustrate the players, time waste, everything else, we don't have the players that unlock that uh, kind of away team at all. We struggle to take the game to teams, especially at home. And so if a team just comes and sets up to frustrate us, is exactly what they do in they, they'll end up getting at least a point, which, you know, Wickham and Shrewsbury games are proven. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I mean, uh, what we definitely lack, in my opinion, is, you know, all the top sides in this league have a, a central midfielder who, if a team does sit back, he can pop in yeah. good shots from 25, 25 yards. And as we saw when Peterborough came to the men, we sat back and defended and they punished us. And 
the best sides don't don't let you sit back, and also they don't let you come out and play because they'll punish you as well. So um, I was hoping Circum, you know, well, to be fair, we've got quite a few players in our squad who can pop off long shots. Ollie Clark, Circum, you know, even Lines was shown on occasion that he can rocket one in. Yeah. So it's 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 frustrating because, like you say, we've got no plan B. Harley, uh, what do you think we need to be doing better when teams sit back? What what's what what parts of our game can we improve and what, what do we need to work on? I think we've said before that we do actually seem to have more of a threat going forward now. Rodman seems to have hit some form. Um, we've got Jakubiak, who isn't even playing every single game, but he's looking strong. Um, new striker, of course. Left wing, OK, we'll leave that. But um, I think one of my main concerns is that we always set up quite defensively and we don't necessarily go on the offence as quickly as we need to. We yep. almost... We almost sit defensively as well. And then, like the Wickham game, and I, I think that's what you said, Nathan, about it being like carbon copy, it's kind of both teams almost sat back and it was just like, in do the middle, not, it was just luck, really, who ended up with the ball. Do you not think in the home games, one of the main differences or re- things this season that have struck out is that if you think under the previous, you know, DC when we were on top and when we were doing well and we were playing well as a team, we got our teams from the off of home games. We dictated the tempo. As soon mm-hmm. as the game kicked off, we were at teams. We were pushing them back. We were winning corners. We were putting teams under pressure. It seems so lethargic now. Like, mm-hmm. we kick off and then it's just like the crowd doesn't get into the game because we're just almost waiting for something bad to happen. What is or something play. good to happen. Or something good yeah. to happen. It, either way, we just get stuck in this quagmire. There's no tempo to our play. And then the crowd starts to get on their back. And it, you, we really have to start coming out home games like... Like all guns blazing and put some pressure on and get the crowd into it early and which are these are all really cliche like it sounds like I'm giving a press conference and I'm GC or something I don't have a very good Irish accent though <laughs> but um, I just feel like our tempo at home lets us down a lot yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we move the ball around quickly enough like you say Harley we we get lethargic and uh, we almost try and you know it's like we've it's like we've gone one up and we need to calm things down yeah. and, and settle again but in reality it's nil nil so uh, that's something I think we do need to work on. Um, Holly, do you think the formation played a part? What, what, you know, what what kind do you think? Four four two is too too rigid. Do we need something a bit more fluid? I mean, it's not it's not even necessarily the formations really for me. It's more like the way because you can have a four four two that's defensive and a four four two that's attacking. You know, and I think that's that's mainly what it is. Is the, this mentality thing? I think I think Graham is well, he used to be a defender, right? And he was a defensive coach yeah. at the start of the season. So naturally, he's going to be a defensive manager. Um, that might be unfair because we have shown a bit of flair up front when we've got going, but I don't think he's willing to go out and kind of risk it. Um, I get why because he's he's just taken over. He needs to ensure survival, and he's going to be pretty skip. You know, he's going to be on the edge, but. We need to, against Wickham and against Shrewsbury, we really need to be going out and dictating the tempo by hitting them straight up. And you can do that in a 4-4-2, I think. It's just about the mentality. And I don't think we really had the mentality. This is a really broad question, but as him, as manager, do you think we will ever get to a point where at home we will play attacking expansive football at all? Not really, no. I mean, the thing is, Graham's a bit of a weird one because with every other signing or manager, you you do your research on them and there's a lot to go on. Yeah. You know, even with Daryl, like, even when he came in as assistant, I remember looking him up and it was like, oh, Salisbury says he's a really good manager, you know, he got on going. Even though it's non-league, there's still experience and we, you know, we rate non-league experience. But Graham's got nothing at all to base it on except for the fact that he's a defensive coach. 
So it's really hard to know. Yeah. But I would be surprised. I, I'm not seeing it so far. Um, although, as we will discuss, things got a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I agree with you. There's definitely no blueprint, previous blueprint to look at to compare with. I mean, like you say, every manager that's come in before, you know what you're getting when they come in. Daryl with his, his exciting you know, two promotions in two years at Shrewsbury and then... And swearing on the phone on the radio. Oh, yeah, that as well, yeah. Passion. With Ward, we knew that we were going to get absolute dinosaur football. Uh, McGee, to be fair, I didn't really know what to get with McGee, but Buckle, we could see the success he had at Torquay. Obviously, he could replicate it, but you knew the style. With mm-hmm. with Coughlin, it really is an unknown, and I do think it has... It, I don't think it's been so much his tactics and his style as it has been... Uh, the qualities of individual players, particularly the likes of Holmes, Dennis, yeah. and Rodman stepping up since since Clark's been uh, since Clark left, that have really been the difference in in our in our fortunes in our in, in our style. So, um, for me, I I don't know if I'd keep him beyond the summer, but um, that's another conversation for another day. I think um, I just want to briefly touch on the home form. Just uh, three wins all season, which is pretty dreadful in the league. Um, do either of you have any ideas why we are so uninspiring at home compared to away? You know, we had a new pitch laid in the summer, and it seemingly made us play worse football on a on a better pitch. Or are we making like the opposition better by by you know having an absolute carpet surface? I think I kind of jumped the gun on this question a little bit earlier, but I honestly think we. I think our main again, I mentioned tempo, but the other thing is we seem to play like the away team at home this season. Yeah. Uh, we massively want to hit teams on the counter-attack. So unless... It's weird. So far, we've mostly played the poor... Not, they're not poorer teams because everyone beats everyone in this division. But we seem to have played a lot of teams that want to come and sit back. This weekend, which we'll get to later, may help against a team like Sunderland who will come and play attacking football. May give us more space. May help in us not trying to play on the counter-attack because they should give us more room. And we can almost play a little bit more like the away side. But our problem really has come for me. Every, and since the start of the season, we have looked so stuck and confused into how we're going to break a team down. We, we've started too slow. We don't really seem to get into gear until about 20 minutes to go when sometimes it's too late. Um, it's a hard one to put your finger on, especially because the away form has got a lot better. But I think it honestly is because we almost set up and play like an away team at home this season. Could you... I mean, this is back to the mentality thing. Could you potentially say that we're playing a bit... Um... Is mainly about us feeling like underdogs. I mean, like at home, you'd always expect us to be the stronger side that yeah. dominates it, right? But when we're going to these away games, we seem to be kind of up for it and like willing to prove people wrong. It's a bit whereas more we're not them, able yeah. to prove people right. It's... Yeah, true. And I think that I don't know. And I think the problem with home games too, if you get if you start off badly at home and that continues. Every single home game is probably in the back of the players' minds. Like, we're not doing well enough at home. I need mm-hmm. to, like, the crowd are going to get on our back straight away. The whole thing kind of rumbles on for a longer period of time. And it, it almost could be a mental block now that, you know, they know their home form is bad. They know they struggle at home. It, and it, you know, it, it could almost be a form of them being anxious to play home games more than away games. Away games, they have a bit more freedom and, you know, the, the crowd aren't going to get on their back and etc. So it could be that too. Mm. Yeah, lots to think about for sure. It could be, you know, a multitude of factors. Um, but it certainly is frustrating. Uh, just the three wins at the Mem, not very many limbs moments, so to speak. Although that, that Fleetwood last-minute victory has almost made up for it. Let's hope we can have a few more moments like that in the weeks and months to come. Uh, God knows we're going to need it if we're going to stay up. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on to the Pompey game. Um, it's Thursday today, I've lost track of the days. Yeah, a couple of days ago now. Um, a bit of time to let it sink in. Let the, you know, I'm a bit surprised to be saying that we're disappointed with a draw. Um, it was always going to be a tough game. Most of us pro- probably would have uh, taken the point before the game, despite Portsmouth's uninspiring form. But it feels like we could have really had all three, Harley. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure that we're going to talk... In fact, let's talk about it straight away. I mean, I'm going to fully blame the entire loss of two points on uh, Johnson, Clark Harris, sending the ball into orbit. (laughs) Um, I think the ball's still in the air now. It's it's disappointing, isn't it? I think think we were all surprised with the fact that we actually went out there, played some positive football and kind of got on the ball and, and took a bit of control. Like I kind of said, I think... The mentality is we do better when we don't expect to be in control. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of as far as I can say. You know, I think it's it's a good point, but given that we've dropped points at home that we should have picked up three, it's still not overall enough. Had we beat um, Shrewsbury, would you be less disappointed? Oh yeah, if we had beat Shrewsbury, it would have been you know, it's win at home, draw your away, and you're probably looking at winning the bloody promotion. So that would have probably kept us up, you know. But it's um, that's not yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, over the last few games, yeah, it would have made a contribution. But um, yeah, essentially, we yeah, that's that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like you say, lots of positive play. The penalty, mm. well, there were two penalties, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we can't forget that Johnson Clark Harris did score the first penalty, and it was a good penalty. Um, Lord knows what he was thinking with the second one, if there was a bobble or if he was just trying to smack... I mean, to be fair, like, Let's say it was a bobble. <laughs> he, he's, he's done the right thing for me, I mean, in terms of what he was trying to do and hitting it straight down the middle with power, yeah. because the first one, the keeper's, you've hit to the left or the right, so the keeper knows you're going to put it wide put it mm. to the you know to the left or right of him. Second one, you smash it down the middle because the keeper's going to try and judge it left or right at the same height that you put the first one. So there's logic in it, but the execution was dreadful. I'm not a straight down the middle kind of guy, really. No. I prefer... You've always got to stick it in a corner, and I, yeah. I, I will never forgive anyone that doesn't. Lee Mansell's the kind of player that, that I aspire to be. Stick have, it in the top corner under pressure. I have two theories on the penalty. My first one is, my dad made a good point, which you can answer very quickly. Is it good to let the same player take two penalties when he saw he was taking the same one again? This was proven last night because in the Man City Schalke game, if you watched in the Champions League, um, Bentaleb, yes, scored two penalties within five minutes. But you're right with the mind games. I've already put it one side. Am I going to put it the other side? Am I going to hit it down the middle? I think he got caught in two minds. Yeah, so if, say, Jakubiak takes the penalty, he thinks, forget that, this is my penalty and I know what I'm doing with my penalty. I guess it's like the whole... Flip a 50, 50p piece twice. Yeah. Is it going to be heads twice or flip two 50p's at the same time? True. It's pro- it's the same odds and probability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I but, just you know when, if there's like a layer of mentality there as well. Yeah, and I, I just think maybe it just takes that extra dynamic out of the person's in the head games of both the keeper and the striker of you know oh I did this last time what am I going to do different? Have it fresh. Yeah. yeah. And my second theory is people with double barreled surnames shouldn't take penalties. Point. John Paul Pittman. Yeah. Jason, uh, Clark Harris. I see that. Both, I see the both sent penalties into Albrecht and they both have double barrel surnames. Do you think this is like some kind of large hadron collider yeah, experiment? I think it is. Penalties yeah, the universe, collide. the universe isn't happy at you for having two surnames, so if you're going to penalties, you're going to go over the, over the bar. I meant more that what happens when those two penalties collide. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of scientific discovery are they going to find? I think the dinosaurs are going to come back. 
Hopefully, well, no, hopefully no John Ward tactics. Oh, I was about to make a John oh, Ward joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One second. <laughs> you know me too well. You know me too well. Um, sorry, we got a bit niche there. Uh, that's fine. Everyone loves a bit of niche. Um, otherwise, we'd just be boring, wouldn't we? Um, let's talk a bit about Agogo and Upson together. Who, um, you know, Last time I said that Agogo was going to be the player that Upson should be, I did not expect to see them in the same side together. Nathan, what do you think of that? Is it going to be like an absolute powerhouse unit of a centre-mid pairing? I honestly think against Pompey, um, and we were saying this in the first half especially, um, Pompey actually gave us the ball. Uh, I was very unimpressed by Pompey. General Pay, I'm sorry if any Pompey fans are listening to this. Um, they lacked confidence. They were poor with the ball. They gave it, especially in the first half, they gave us they gave away the ball in some really promising positions, gave it straight back to us in the final third. Defenders hit misplacing passes. A couple of times those passes went straight to Upson and straight to Agogo and the attack was dead. They, they couldn't drive with the ball forward. They looked for too quick a pass or they misplaced the pass. I think they're too similar. I think if um, in those attacking situations, Sircom was out wide again. Uh, I think if he would have been one of those two players to pick that ball up and drive forward with it, one of those misplaced passes from Pompey would have turned to a goal or a very, very good scoring chance. I think that's what you miss... I don't like shoehorning Circum in out wide. I still think he's our best player. And I think you need that drive of him going forward from midfield. Um, I like Agogo from what I've seen of him so far. So it would be Agogo and, and either Clark or Circum in the, in the middle for me. I don't think Agogo and Upson works. Yeah, I, I would agree. And for me, I wouldn't put lines there as we saw in the Shrewsbury game. Yeah. Though, almost in the way he got of Agogo. And Agogo didn't have the best of games himself. But... Um, yeah, for for me it's not lines, and for me Circum in a midfield two he struggles. Yeah, I quite like him in the hole. Yeah, um, maybe ahead of Upson and a go go, or Upson and or Clark and a go go. Yeah, I think Clark is probably our best option to go with with a go go at the minute, wouldn't you say, Harley? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like Nathan said, I think I've said before that I do like the idea of Circum being the driving force through the middle, and I think just because he offers goals, you shouldn't lose that from the middle. I yeah. referred to John Joe Tall before being in that similar situation, but. Yeah, I think Clark is Clark's been good. I think he is underrated overall. Um, he's not having his as good a season this season as before, but I think he's he's still got room to improve, and I think he should probably be the one in there. Um, I've not understood Upson yet at all, really. Yeah, as we often talk about, yeah. he's, he just I don't get what he does. Exactly. Yeah. So what is he supposed to be? So you might as well keep Ollie Clark in there. It's yeah. Just, Although I do think he he's had a few injuries recently, I think so that might play a part in it. He's but... been suspended, I think. All right, yeah, okay. he's back. He had ten yellow cards, so I think he's back for the Sunderland game. I believe I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I hope we start him. Um, while we're talking partnerships, let's go on to um, Clark Harris, who was an absolute handful against Portsmouth, wouldn't you say, Nathan? You were there, so he was um, first half especially. Um, he created some chances completely out of nothing. Um, he was a handful Pompey struggled to deal with him he won some free kicks in dangerous places he linked the play very well um, between especially him and uh, Tariq Holmes Dennis had some really nice moves um, I'm going to add him into he can't take a penalty as well because he's got two last names um, <laughs> there's they, some nice interplay the only thing I would say is he's going to be there more to link the play I don't think he's going to be as his record proves he doesn't seem like a natural goal scorer to me Um so if you're asking about partnerships, you almost do need a goal scorer with him. 
But um, yeah, I, I, he had a, he made some really big chances out of nothing. And in a away game, it helped because he rescued us from some situations where we needed some play in the final third because we were being put under pressure without Portsmouth creating a lot of chances. So yeah, he, he that, I would say obviously it was his first start for us as well. Um, but I was impressed, especially with his first 45 minutes. He seemed to tire a bit in the second half and obviously had the penalty as well. But um, yeah, all in all, he was good. Let's not forget he also scored a goal, um, which he won by a very dubious penalty. Um, <laughs> he did win the penalty and score the first penalty. So It was I like think, a giraffe losing yeah. its footing, well, falling on the floor. Let's give him some credit here. I mean, a lot of people are giving him a bit of stick for the penalty miss, but you know he created that first goal pretty much on his own by diving <laughs> and, and scoring a penalty. But we need a bit of that. We've yeah, been we too nicey-nicey all season. He is, a, he is as we've described, score. he is the horrible bastard, He's, right? He's done more in that five-minute period than Stefan Payne did in... Yeah, in, in three months. So. I actually said this earlier off the top that like one of my favourite strikers in recent years to watch against us was Steve Morrison of Millwall, who's yeah. like really aggressive, and you hate him, but you know that if he was a free agent, you'd be taking him every day because yeah. he's just he's got that anger. And I think this is kind of what Johnson Clark Harris offers us. It's the spine, right? That kind of he'll drive us forward, and yeah. it is a bit concerning. He's not necessarily a goal scorer, but. He's a good age, room for improvement. I'm, I'm quite excited to see him play more, to be honest. I think he's the right kind of signing. I hope so. That was sort of going to bring, be my question, is who would you guys play alongside him? Um, because I think you do need someone off the shoulder. And for me, it would be the one of Jakubiak or Riley, who can sort of run into the space. I think Jakubiak. You, do you I think, think Jakubiak? Yeah, what, I think what so. about you, Nathan? Yeah, I would normally say I'm actually in the, in the max camp that I really rate Tom Nichols as a footballer, but he's not a goal scorer. So I think he's always going to be the replacement for Clark Harris because those are the two players that are going to link the play. Yeah. Um, they both can do that well. Um, so I think at the moment, you're right. Um, Gav Riley's decent. He's still a bit of a work in progress. He's still a little bit raw. Um, I, I think you would go with again against Sunderland, the same two that started against Portsmouth. Um, so at the moment, I would go with JCH and, and Jakubiak, but only because... I would say Nichols, but you can't have two people creating chances for each other. You need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. So um, Nichols definitely is not that. No. For all for all I praise him, uh, I I really am starting to see him as a bit of a luxury mm. player in terms of his wage and his style. But what um, I would say is, I think Johnson Clark Harris is a very kind of it's a specific type of player, right? He's big. He's not going to score many goals, but he's the target man. He is an actual target man, I'd say, right? Well, he's quite so, similar to Ellis in his style. Ellis yeah, scored a fair few goals. Powerful force. Did the dirty work. Right? Yeah, but I think that, that that also has value in the fact that we've been so one-dimensional. I mean, you think we're playing... Before he came, think of the strikers we can play. Does it change our style of play at all? The teams know exactly what we're going to do regardless. Yeah, they do. Even if we change formation, they're all lightweight players up front and... Stefan Payne's anonymous, you know, there's no point yeah. even talking about him, but this gives us a completely different dimension to our attacking play, and even if we don't play him in an away game, they'll be surprised, because I bet they'll be planning on marking a big man, and that will completely kill their game plan, so I think he's got some tactical sides to it as well. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let's sort of go on to that then, because um, sort of wrap up the week's action and move on to our, um, our match preview for this week, which is the Sunderland game. Um, on that note, if you've not listened to Tom Metcalf's preview uh, in our newest of our build-up series on the Sunderland game, please do give it a listen. Um, Tom talks to the Roker Report, um, who give a very good uh, sort of overview on where Sunderland are at at the minute and what we can expect from them, um, along with Tom's comments on where he thinks we are 
and what sort of game uh, we can hope to see. Um, Tom's gone for a slight narrow 1-0 win. We'll get on to our predictions in a minute. But um, let's talk a bit about Sunderland. Um, just three losses all season is, is bloody impressive and uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy task to take all three points on Saturday. Um, Nathan, where do we start with this one? Um, would you take a point? Yes. Um, I, get, I think if anyone maybe would have offered us a point apiece from Portsmouth and Sunderland, we'd have taken it. The only thing that does, I think, tip the game slightly in our favour over our previous home games is Sunderland will come out and attack us. And I said before, we may actually just play like the away team, even though we're home, which we seem to be doing anyway. So I think them actually coming out and playing um, and not sitting back and not trying to time waste and not trying to, um, I'm going to not swear and say S-house us. You can swear. Shit house us. <laughs> um, we, I think, will benefit us. Uh, we should hopefully open the game up a little bit, make it a little bit more exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I think the way that Sunderland set out to play will actually benefit us slightly. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying about um, we do often play like the away side at home, but when an away side comes and plays like a home side True. away, that might actually suit us for once. Um, I, think, I think one of our um, stronger home performances of the season was actually quite early on against Portsmouth, when yeah. that was exactly the case. They came and we were the away side in that home game, and we, we did lose, but we you know we did really well, and Portsmouth were on fire at that point, so... I'm actually more positive about this than than I should be. A team that's only lost three times. Um, we did well there. We did well at their place. Yeah, we um, did. Yeah. But they did still look like they were a cut above in terms of their quality. And they've only added a player. So, you know, it's. Um, well, I think it's yeah. going to be a big task. Um, I'd take a point. They've added a player, but that player cost them £4 million. Pounds. Uh, Will Grigg. Crazy. It's nuts, isn't it? You know, when you think that's over ten times a record transfer fee um, for a striker who did they even really need when they were third? How many Andy Silsons could you get for World Grip? 11. Wait. 12. 12? <laughs> 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 I don't know. Gas cast Sorry, again. I, threw, again. I threw us off with the question, but um, yeah, I, <laughs> obviously them losing Josh Madger was a big loss for them. Uh, I think he, if I'm correct in saying he scored one of the two goals against us. He did, he scored the winner. Yeah. He scored most of their goals this yeah. season, didn't he? So that was fire. a big loss. And they seem to be linked with every single League 2, 1 and Championship striker on deadline day. Mm. Yes, um, yeah. Which also was interesting to see who was going to end up there. There was rumours of even uh, Matty Taylor ending up there. So that would have been even more interesting. But having that kind of money to spend uh, with the parachute payments they have um, makes them a, uh, you know, a cut above in our division. And Will Griggs is a very good striker and he's going to be a handful um, I don't think he's has he played or scored yet he scored a penalty uh, they played D- 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 Gillingham yeah. at home on Tuesday uh, they won 4-2 um, and Greg scored a penalty yeah and obviously he's proven at our level um, I believe with Wigan um, yeah yes yes um, we, it's, it's a type of player that is championship calibre that we wouldn't expect to have to face um, because no one else in our division would probably have that kind of money to spend well, I mean, the thing about Grigg, though, is you say it's championship quality, but he's always, he's always kind of gone back to the championship and then they come back down with him. Yeah. He smashes League One and they never really do much at championship. Now they've progressed and they've, they don't really need him anymore. But I think on the subject of the money, they obviously needed to replace Major, but I'm pre- they, I mean, they definitely consider this four million the cost of promotion. They, they are not buying him to help them next season. Like they, 
expect this to get them over the line, which yeah. means they're going to want to batter us tomorrow. So Yeah, they will do, but um, as we'll talk about in a bit, they haven't been the best uh, XG-wise. Um, Holly's, Holly wanted me to say XG. <laughs> XG. Yeah, what, could you just clarify what it is? Because I've forgotten what XG is. Expected goals. Okay. It's, a, well, it's the chances created versus chances scored and the decimal that that represents. It literally is the foot hips the start of the 2018-19 season yeah yeah gotta gotta get on the xg i think we're like 12th in the table for xg so if we go down at least we can say you know mid-table xg finish that's what we want you can also add to like the gas cast description that we talk about xg now and then we'll get more people we will yeah you know that harley's uh, been showing me the the listeners uh graph over the last uh, couple of years and, and once I've now mentioned XG, it's just watch that in the next flowing. six months. It's going to go up. XG. We're going to be Statcast. You know, we're going to be the, the ones to watch. They'll be calling it X Gas. Doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, doesn't make sense. sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give up. Give up. <laughs> Where's Metcalf? Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> we need it. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sunderland coming to the Mem. Um, a very talented side, as we saw, Harley, when we went up to Newcastle. Just, uh, your, just a swift reminder that they have Aidan McGeady. I was just about to say oh, that. Yeah. I was, oh, I was about to say it. that is the FIFA 13 Road to Vegas dream <laughs> song uh, for all you KSI watchers of 2013 out there. Um, he's a very talented player, Aidan McGeady. I was going to just go on to a few of their talented players. Um, I, don't, I have to mention the whole bloody squad, to be honest. Uh, Lydon Gooch, quality. He's... American. I don't know why I'm looking at you because you live in America. But yes, I am not American. Linda Gooch, good player. He's a good player. Um, you know, Lee Catamore probably on what thirty grand. Tom Metcalf's favourite player. We should add. Is he? Yeah, his favourite player why in football because he tucks his shirt in. No nonsense. Gets stuck in. Then why yeah. doesn't he like Tony Craig? Oh, he does as well. I think he's he's got a bit of Metcalf in him. That okay. Well, uh, yeah. The the point I was going to make is um, they're a talented side, but I feel stupid saying this. The Mem can be a tough place to visit, given our shite home form. Um, but what everyone says it. You know, Coughlin's been saying it in his, his interview this week. He can smell an atmosphere. I thought you were going to say Coughlin was saying the Mem's a hard place to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really hard place to come there. <laughs> yeah, absolute fortress at the minute. Yeah, I really <laughs> thought you were going to do an Irish accent as well, on Harley. No, absolutely Harley not. Harley doesn't do accents. The only way I don't do, do accents. and that's questionable. <laughs> so, and it's fifty. Yeah, it's, I'm not. I'm not going to do an accent okay. right now. No. All right. Um, yeah, the question I was going to ask is, uh, are the fans going to make a significant difference in this match? I, sp- I It's hard for me to answer the question because I'm not there. I, I only hear it really what's on I follow. Um, the atmosphere, obviously, can be up and down at the Mem. And from what I've talked about before, you have to give them a reason in that opening 10 minutes. But, you know, the away end will be full. Um, some of the fans will generate some noise hopefully that means we will respond to that and yet it could make a big difference it should be a big bigger crowd um, atmosphere could definitely play a part but you know the Sunderland players are used to playing in front of many 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 more fans so I don't think it really would intimidate them too much but we know what the men can be like when uh, you know the game's rocking they've said before that Fleetwood game you mentioned earlier was you know they said the fans sucked the ball in the back of the net that game so yeah it, it can make a big difference let's just hope, I hope that it does Harley, what do we need to do to stop the rot at home and get three points? Bang a few goals in tomorrow night, I reckon. Not tomorrow night, Saturday. Friday night. Yeah, let's not get get ready. Which I think would actually help us. I think a Friday night atmosphere would be perfect for this. Under the lights at the man. Yeah, so that's my answer. Friday night. Play on Friday night. 
Unfortunately, we are playing Saturday daytime, so okay. Well, no to win on Saturday matches. daytime, I think um, <laughs> go out there. <laughs> actually, the do you know what? Normally, I would say about Shrewsbury, I'd be like, oh, go out there and you know get them on the back foot. I think now, really, it's kind of soak up a bit of pressure um, and try and attack them on the counter, which I think we are capable of with Rodman in good form. Got a few interesting strike options now, striker options now, and left wing will just ignore again. Um, Who's Dennis will play there? I expect. Mm. This is a really weird question. Why didn't Robman play against Portsmouth? I think he's picked up a knock, Coughlin said. Uh, I missed that. Uh, yeah, I think I was surprised that. when he wasn't in the starting eleven. Yeah, I think he picked up a knock. Um, why don't we get some predictions on the board then? Uh, Nathan, start us off. Wow, big. Um, I think we will just about do enough. I know Sunderland haven't lost a lot of games um, with our home form. I th- I'm honestly going to go with another 1-1, similar to Portsmouth. Um, I think the way that Sunderland play will suit us and we'll definitely get at least one chance, maybe another maybe another penalty. I wonder who will take it. Um, we'll get one more chance to, you know, uh, we'll score a goal. Um, we've, we're still playing exceptionally well defensively. At Portsmouth, you'd think for a 1-1 draw there that, that Bonham would have had to be on man of the match. He barely had a save to make. We're very solid at the back. I think we can limit Sunderland to a goal. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. Very good. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think mine's going to be widely different. I want to get Harley's <laughs> thought on this first. Well, it feels like you're kind of sitting on the fence and you're going to make your decision based on what no, I say no, here. Okay. Well, if you're going to be like that, I'm going to I'm gonna give you it now. Then. <laughs> yeah. As you're going to be so... Uh, Go on. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be an absolute uh, stonker of a game. And I think we're going to win 3-2. I think it's going to be an absolute goal fest. When was the last time we scored three goals at home? At home? Mm. Oh, Fleetwood. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Coventry. Ah, Coventry. Oh, thank God we got Max. This is what <laughs> um, My prediction. Well, I'm um, just going to talk a little bit. No, go on, go on, go on. You tell, you tell. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just think it's going to be, they're going to be attacking us quite intensively with the talent they've got and like we've talked about, the counter, counter-attacking capabilities we've got. We're going to do them some damage. They shipped two goals at home to Accrington, two goals at home to Gillingham. Yeah. Their away form is pretty dire in, in terms of goal scoring. Um, they've been very uninspiring in, in recent away performances. Their defence is shaky. Uh, they've got a very young defence. And I think Clark Harris up front is going to be a proper handful for them. He's already scored against them this season for Coventry. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, um, so, so he, he's, he's played against them already. Uh, I, I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna nick it. I think it's gonna be a three-two, and I think we'll all three goal. All five goals will come in the second half. Be nil-nil halftime, and uh, we're gonna win three-two. That would easily be the game of the season. If that happens, everyone owes me a pizza at the sportsy because that is everyone, insane. including us <laughs> or every listener, everyone. every single person listening, because it's the most outlandish thing I've probably said all season. But three I'm two. sticking with it. Okay. Well, based upon both of your comments. I'm going to go with what I originally thought, which was a 2-1 loss, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, um, reason being, um, like both of you, I think we've got a goal in us, but I'm much more amazed by their goal-scoring quality, I think. I remember in the away game watching them go forward and it was scaring the shit out of me, to be quite honest. I think they're going to drive forward, they're going to bang two in. Whether we, I think we'll score first. Maybe we'll score first, but... We're not going to have enough, I don't think. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. I've brought us down to earth. Oh, well. What a nice way to move on to the next section with a bit of classic thorn pessimism. <laughs> um, yeah, let's move on to our player in focus segment. Um, 
which we've been doing for a few episodes now. Uh, the player in focus this week is none other than Captain Fantastic himself, Tom Lockyer. Um, his form has been one of probably the most important reasons, most important factors as to why we're not so adrift at the minute, yeah. is, is our defence. Our goal difference is minus four, which if you compare with teams around us, Rochdale on minus 26, Warsaw on minus 19, Bradford minus 16, Gillingham minus 13. We have by far and above the best goal difference in the bottom, I, I haven't looked to be honest, but probably the bottom 10. It's basically worth an extra point. Yeah, it's invaluable, and and you have to say that um, Lockyer and Craig have really given us a platform to uh, to win some some valuable points. Hopefully, in uh, the weeks to come, um, Lockyer himself, uh, I've not really noticed him in games, which I guess is a good thing, Harley, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, especially with him because he was making a lot of mistakes last um, season. I think. Just absolutely, like smashing the ball out of play for no reason, quite frequently, and he does have the occasional blunder with his passing. But this season, no, he's had a few dodgy things at the start of the season. But since Graham's come in, especially his form has massively improved. He looks a lot more steady, and like you say, you don't notice him, which is a good thing. He's winning his headers and he's getting the ball out. Iron, and he does. Um, he does take the ball and look up and make a good pass normally. Simple passes, I should say. Yeah. Not so much the long ball. I don't like his crossfield balls. No. But other than that, you know, he's uh, he's one that I think we're all really happy to see do well as well. Yeah. Given his history with the club mm-hmm. and how far he's come since uh, that relegation season playing central midfield with Ollie Clark, which when you look back on it is, is really quite baffling. It's mind-blowing, yeah. Why you would play a player like that at central midfield for 40 games. Um, but it may have been the making of him so who's to say uh, Nathan Lockyer's partnership with Craig I, I can't get my head round why or how it works but it does, yeah, it you does. Know, they're both under six foot in a league where there's so many big strikers yeah. why, why does it work? I think they complement each other well in, in a sense um, it, it, Lockyer plays like an extremely experienced head for such a young age and I think and he's played a lot of league games and I think that the, the experience between Craig and him, they've seen every situation so many times. They're reading things before they happen. If you look at both of them, they're both marshalling the rest of the back line and midfield around. Even Bonham sometimes, they're telling him what to do. I think they have that much experience between the two of them that that really makes a huge difference to their partnership. They're on the same wavelength for a lot. It really helps. Yeah, and given last season where our defence probably wasn't the best, um, and people quite often crying out for Tom Broadbent or another big player to sort of play alongside Craig or alongside Lockyer. I, you know, it's all gone quiet. Yeah, it has. Um, and in touch on what Harley was saying with his recent games, we hadn't noticed him. Um, Portsmouth w- was the best game I've seen him have, like in a Rovers shirt. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, he he won everything, completely limited Portsmouth's chances. And he even uh, pissed off the Portsmouth fans enough for someone to throw a bottle at him. Um, got punched he as well. got punched in the face by one of the strikers. Uh, he just had you know them on toast, and he was he was time wasting. He was doing all the nasty things that you were talking about. Uh, uh, you want a striker to do? He really took that game by the scruff of the neck, and, and you can see it matters at the moment to him. Uh, that was a against Portsmouth. It was a championship level performance from him, which I know kind of goes on to one of the points you maybe about you know his future with us, but. Yeah, he's really stepped up in standard. If, if he performs to that level, he performed at against Portsmouth, he, he, he won't be in League One for very long. 
Yeah, and uh, I thank you for that because that does bring me nicely onto my next point, which is someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Lockyer is out of contract in the summer. Um, I believe that to be the case. Um, so my question is, will he stay or will he go now? Um, First of all, I love that Nathan's immediately got his phone out to try and check that fact. <laughs> and I too would love to do that because I, I'm not sure if he I is. But, I believe he is. Um, I've, been, I've been told by one of the Lock- that he is. Tom's so. been, Tom, one of the main reasons that Tom has been a success here is because he, he has always been really down to earth. He's really switched on. He knows that he's going to get more games at this level. And he's had the chance before, if he wanted to, to go higher. But he wouldn't have got the game time, so he stayed here. And you have to say it's probably... It's on the edge right now of whether that's going to prove right because he needs to get a move and he needs to get one soon. Well, yeah, the question he, is what move? He's going to be 25 in December, which um, I think he's, pl- he's play- been playing with us in the first team since he was 18, 19. Mm. So if we can six seasons. If we don't prove that we can progress to him... He'll be gone, yeah. He should go, I, I think. And to be fair, I would want him to go, I think, if, if the opportunity came for him to play... For a club like, just throwing examples out I would there, say Brentford. Derby County, <laughs> Brentford, um, even someone like Stoke City may take a punt on a young player with mm. Nathan Jones as the coach there now. Um, clubs of that stature, you can't say no to, especially yeah. if he's out of contract. Huh? He needs to go to the right place though, one that's going to give him an actual, he, basically one he's going to play at, that's yeah. the main thing. And I think, um, like I said, he's been very loyal to us. Um, it would be a real slap around the face if he went for free that would be well he will do it because really he's out of contract annoying. in the summer so if he was to go in the summer it would be for free and we would get no tribunal because he's 25 years old yeah. well he's 24 years old so yeah. um, it would be a sucker punch but mm. uh, given all he's done for us um, and the talent he has and the international uh, future he, he wants uh, I don't think personally I would begrudge him going um, he's you know, we, we've shown loyalty to him, but only in that, um, to be fair, if, if he was playing rubbish, we would have binned him off. So mm. um, it's difficult. I think, um, he's, he's, sorry, I just want to say quickly, he... he I'm still looking up his contract. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he lost, Daryl Clark obviously left, and that is no doubt someone that he really trusted and worked very closely and played a huge role in his development. God knows, maybe he'd say John Ward played a huge role in his development, but I think that was more by luck than judgment. By um, lack of other options, I mean, we started that season with yeah. uh, Mitch Harding up front at Exeter away and bringing on Alfie Santos and Shaquille Hunter. Yeah. So. I mean, Daryl put him on the right back uh, in the conference, moved him to the centre in League Two. That was, a, that was a brave thing to do, yeah. because after the season he had in the conference at right back, to then go up a, go up a division and then put him straight in at centre back, that was very... Very brave, and uh, he's, he's thrived off that kind of trust. And like you say, Daryl Clark, probably a father figure in the game to him, uh, leaving will have an adverse effect, and maybe he will feel that this summer is time for him to move on. Um, yeah. Nathan, what do you think? I think um, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. Um, I think you know he's an international caliber player as well. I don't think you can um, not look at what doing to him being around the Wales setup has done for his career. Um, he's obviously one of the better centre-backs in League One um, I agree with all of that and all the other points you've made um, I think it's going to be if he plays at the level he has over the most of this season um, yeah it'll be hard to begrudge him and leave that move to a championship club um, whether on a free or you know did you find the answer regarding this contract? no 
I believe and he is out of contract. I've been told by a few people. See, I have four. Th- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame having an international. I was gonna say cell phone for all our American <laughs> listeners. Um, I have four G, but it's throttled, and I'm trying to load the contract from our website <laughs> about, about the article about his contract extension. It did say he signed an extension in 2018, but that's all I have found. Ah, okay. Well, we will confirm via Twitter later. I'm sure if we were wrong and have wasted the last 10 minutes of discussion. <laughs> um, my, my, the final thing I want to touch on with Lockyer himself is how far can he go in the game? He's 25 this year. Uh, so, you know, centre-back sort of in their prime when they're about 30. So yeah. he's got a good five years more of development. I think, honestly, he could easily become... I think his next level is a mid-table championship club. I definitely would say he could easily play for... Um, a top tier championship club, top six championship club. Um, and I think he could end up representing Wales at a major tournament as well, um, which would be a huge step for him. I think he's got that in his locker too. Harley, do you think he's the next sort of Alfie Mawson, John Stones type, you know, smaller centre-back who will thrive in the championship and then get a move to the Premier League? Or do you think I mean, championships is sort of ceiling? This is why I think he probably does need to go for his own good because he can't be that kind of player if he doesn't get trained better on his on his ball ball work. Um, he's not. He can't play that cross field pass. He can't bring it out as well as them. You know, not like you know comparatively, he's not really that kind of player. Um, so he needs to develop that, and I think a championship club where he's going to play would be the ideal move for him. Um, and I would say. A Brentford is exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, Brentford's a good shout because they're a very good footballing mm. side, so he would get better coaching and that side of his mm. centre back game. So. And young players always seem to go there and actually do well. They don't just take them in to sit them on the bench. You know, they're there to take yeah. a risk on them. Yeah. I also do have breaking news on the contract situation. Whatever breaking news jingle you can put in here later. I have nothing. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, it was the, on the 11th of January 2018, the club posted an article saying that he had signed a new deal, a new contract. Does not tell you how long it's for, which is really helpful. I just read the whole article. 18th of January 2018? Yeah. That was uh, a year ago. 11th of January I keep 2018. it's still 2018. That may have been, he may have been out of contract that summer when it was a year extension. Yes. In which case he's out of contract this summer. Yes, but it's I reckon really, it would be a two-year. I reckon he... Nah. It's but just, anyway, it's all guesswork, basically. Yes. We have no bloody idea. It's weird that we don't know. I guess fair. we'll find out. Apparently yeah. his contract situation is as mysterious as we're making it seem because, yes, the club's article does not mention, although it says he signed a new deal, it does not say how long the deal was for. Fantastic. We're none the wiser and uh, Cutting can't really give you anything really was. other than what we've said. So um, the last sort of thing I want to talk on about this whole topic is if he does go, um, do we look internally to replace him or do we bring someone in? Obviously, we're probably going to have to bring someone in anyway, but I'm thinking, you know, Menese or Kilgore, particularly Kilgore, who's having a brilliant season. At, I love Alfie Kilgore. He's having a cracking season at Maidenhead and uh, seems to complete... He's, yeah. Everyone's been saying he's the next lock here, so yeah, I would you try agree. and bleed him? I would. Um, I saw him for, I know our under-23s is not a great example because it wasn't playing, you know, full football, but uh, I saw him against extra under-23s last season, last year um, and he stood out, natural leader on the pitch, strong, exceptional in the air, good, good, you know, two, two good feet. I, I think he is someone who next season I would love to see more involved with the first team. He's also a die-hard gasser, I believe. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, he definitely he's definitely one I want to see given a chance. And you have to say, if he doesn't get given a chance in that kind of situation, what 
What's, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, what's good? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. agree. He's not got anywhere near the first team. Correct me if I'm wrong. I he don't... did have an he did have an ACL injury that did happen. Yeah, him, so and... he was out for nine months. But yeah, he's the, he's exactly the kind of player that you want coming through. He's he's similar to what Ollie Clark was, I suppose, right? And well, Lockyer was the example I used. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that kind of. Yeah, I, I want to see him given a chance. So yes, I'd say promote it internally, but you kind of need to test him out as well, don't you? So be prepared for it not to go well, mainly. Yeah, and on that topic, uh, big congratulations to Lewis Lee Gilchrist on a very good hat-trick on the weekend. Uh, turning into a really good young prospect out on loan. One that I think, if we're talking about players coming through next season to look out for, Lewis Lee Gilchrist, attacking midfielder, uh, maybe given a chance in pre-season, hopefully. Um, I know, I'm trying to keep an eye on the young players. He's on loan at Yate? He's on loan at Yate, yeah. He's, he went on loan to Hungerford, I, I believe, as well, earlier in the season in the Conference South, but couldn't quite get enough game time there. So he's, He loves his time at Yate. He's, oh, yeah. he's been on flames for Yate for, well, he's played there two years on and off, really, hasn't he? Yeah, he's scored a lot of goals yeah, he for, has. for a yeah. central midfielder. So uh, one to look out for there, uh, whilst we were touching on youth players. Um, that about wraps it up for this week uh, thanks for listening thanks Nathan for joining us thanks. flying all the way over just to speak to us just on for Gascast nothing to do with the football because no. let's be honest it's not of any great quality um, <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope Saturday is, is um, yeah don't forget to submit your flight you. expenses because I, I believe it's been a while since you've seen a win in, in the flesh isn't it yeah, you just reminded me of that as well. When was the last game I saw us win? It was too long ago. Let's hope that changes. That means we will beat Sunderland. I'm changing my mind. I have to win at some point. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, if you don't already follow follow us on Twitter, uh, please have a look out for our Twitter feed. We're posting weekly content now, which is uh, a big step up for us, um, mm-hmm. considering we once posted monthly content and then occasionally every other monthly content. <laughs> um, we've really been trying to ramp it up this year. Hopefully have a few interesting interviews in the pipeline and our new build-up series is uh, proving a success already. So, um, yeah, keep your ears to the ground. Follow us on social media if, if you are so inclined. And if not, well, we'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Up the gas. Up the, Up the gas. gas. Bristol Rovers fans podcast.